Hi everyone! Welcome to The 20s Project, a podcast where we, as HEC Paris students, gather people in their 20s and talk about their life stories. Hey, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Christina. Get ready to discover career growth, self-development, and the adventures of studying abroad. We're really happy because today we're being joined by Jennifer, who's a current uh, MBA student here at HEC Paris. So first of all, thank you very much, Jennifer, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're really happy because I think we would learn a lot from you know your background uh, and different you know insights. Um, so first of all, perhaps who are you? If you can quickly introduce yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Jennifer Ellie. So I was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and raised in Haiti as well. Um, I did primary school and secondary school in Port-au-Prince, and then I moved to the States for university, worked in the state as well, and then now I'm here. I have a decade of experience in cosmetic um, and personal care industry, so I've had roles within operation, quality, R&D, and I work on projects related to um, face makeup, concealer, OTC, and lastly, hair color. Oh, wow. So, yes. Well... That's really interesting very, background for sure. Right. Um, and so you're currently are enrolled in the MBA program here at HEC. Correct. So is there any particular reason why you decided to do an MBA now? So um, deciding on the MBA was uh, personal and geographical and financial decision, um, but really to build on my skill set uh, and my expertise as a chemist. So I wanted to be able to add on the business skill set to really develop myself into a future personal care or FMCG executive in the future. Mm -hmm. And how do you think MBA can help you pivot that in that case? So from the MBA, especially the MBA at HEC, we've had, I've learned a lot about finance, accounting, operation management, strategy. So all of these courses and all of these skill sets are things that are needed for, you know, making decision, whether it's an M&A um, decision for your corporation, um, refining your portfolio, like all those type of important decisions that impact the revenue and the bottom line of a company, I think HCC has really given me the right tools and the right education to really be prepared to make these decisions in the future. Interesting. Um, so can you, before we start diving into the topic, the interesting topics we wanted to touch on, can you please also quickly tell us your personality, who are you like, who is Jennifer? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I would say I am very eclectic. I'm very curious about everything that moves around me. So I want to learn about why is the sky blue and not red, you know, like, why do different um, phases of the moon influence the mo water movement and the tides? Um, so that's the type of person I am. I'm very curious whether it's nature, politics, um, geopolitic um, topic, anything that happens around me. I want to learn and understand what are the mechanisms behind everything that moves. Um, so that's who I am intellectually. Um, I'm also very fun and very relaxed. I love art. I love ballet. I love opera. Um, so I find a, a music, I cannot perform any of these arts, <laughs> but I like to enjoy the people that do them and that do them well. Um, so that brings me joy. I love a good glass of wine. Um, I find joy in entertaining myself by myself or entertaining or being entertained with a group of people. So I think I'm very... You know, sounds, sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. So now that we know a little bit more about Jennifer, uh, the real topic of this episode is going to be about, you know, dreaming big and being confident. Um, so perhaps to, you know, kick this, um, 
can you perhaps share a personal story or experience of yours uh, when you actually dared to dream big? And in that sense, how did this vision, so this big dream that you had, how did it impact your overall professional growth? Yes. So I really love this topic um, because I think that at some point within people's life, we stop dreaming big or not so much that we stop dreaming big, but there's a lot of inhibition and social constraint that makes us feel a little more little than we intended to be. So from a personal point of view, um, my, my last employer, I felt a little more, and I, maybe it's because of the structure of the company and the tools that they provided, but I felt a little more confident to really express my desire and really express my professional um, career and professional dream. And once I had that gut feel to say that I want to become an executive within this company or within this industry, and I was well received, and we called it, and so we developed my career plan, and we called it my roadmap to VP. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt very um, freeing to see that I could have vo vocalized that earlier and not be judged or criticized or laughed at, right? So it took me some time before I was able to build that confidence and that muscle. But again, it was well received, and we developed the career plan of what it would look like to really get me to that point, since this is what I really wanted. Would you have any tips for people who, as you said, fear, you know, perhaps um, judgment, you know, from people or or the, the rejection of their dreams, you know, like how could we encourage them to speak up? Because, of course, you mentioned like communicating with, you know, eventually a mentor that can help you figure things out. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's really difficult to take that first step. So is there anything that we can do on our end to push the stream of ours? Correct. So I think the first thing is especially... If you have a network of friends, you can start practicing vocalizing those things with your friends, right? Um, I think going above, going to HR, your manager might be a little intimidating, especially at the very beginning. But you can talk to your peers, you can talk to your colleague. Um, but also, the feedback that you get, it may be positive, it may be negative. Worst case scenario, people laugh at you. Best case scenario, you are encouraged to keep dreaming, so it doesn't hurt. You don't get armed by doing on one or the other, but you start with your peers and you exchange that. And then within the corp um, corporate environment, you do communicate with your manager. And then, but you also want to get a sense of the environment as well. Because again, you might get a positive manager, you might get a negative manager. So um, if you're able to talk to your manager, great. If not, be it, find a, a mentor, find someone and then exchange, learn about them and their career growth, see how, what you like or what you don't like how you fit into what you aspire to be, but then also keep vocalizing, practicing that that muscle. Because the confidence doesn't come in, I mean, some people are born very confident. Mm -hmm. They're lucky. <laughs> Hard to play, <laughs> great, kudos to them. Um, but for the rest of the people that are not so lucky, it is a muscle, in my opinion, that you need to train. So talk to your peers, talk to your family member, talk to people you admire, like look at their career path, like how did they get to those roles? Um, and also discuss like what does those roles would look like for you? Is that something that you would want to do? And then again, keep saying what you want, saying how you see the world, saying like take space, be loud, but practice it over and over and over again so that the right person will be able to open doors for you and will be able to, cre to create your roadmap to VP or <laughs> whatever it looks like. But it does say practice and like keep going. 
Um, and one last thing to add yeah. on to that too. Um, that does include your professional life and your personal life as well. So let's say if you want to, I don't know, own five houses in all five continents and travel and go to 100 countries in the world. Like, again, those are things that you need to vocalize and be confident in them. And today you may not have the means and the way to do it. But the more you vocalize on it, the more it's in your mental and your subconscious. And the more you're going to start finding ways to make it real and make it concrete. So that covers professional and personal life as well. Okay. Because um, most of our audience are uh, in their 20s, I would suppose, and uh, I'm sure you also had this process where you were in your 20s, you were lost, you were not that confident, but how did you find this way to your to who you are right now, who is confident, who is shiny, who knows how to vocalize, like how was the process for you and what would be your tips for people to get over all the um, uncertainty and being unsure about themselves, like what would you say for people? that are now in their 20s of course I was in my 20s a few years ago <laughs> um, no so like I said to me it wasn't given so I had to practice it for sure at the very beginning I was terrible at it um, I always feared judgment at some point um, or just that whatever I wanted or dreamed was maybe out of reach and then people will say oh okay she's that's way too big of a dream for her to realize and materialize so at the beginning, I would have goals and big goals and whatnot, but I just kept it to myself and did not really talk, um, especially when I started into the the professional and corporate um, life. And after a few years, I started noticing, of course, it's not comparison, but you do have a benchmark at a certain extent compared to, compared to your peers, right? Mm-hmm. So you're noticing your peers and noticing what can be done. Um, especially in this more digital world, you're ha- you have access to people of your age across the world. So it's not just the community in Haiti. It's not just the community in New Jersey and the States. It's you versus the world at your same level of age. So you, you're starting to see whether it's like YouTubers, um, gamers, people in Jordan and Dubai and all over the world and what they can accomplish at your age. And you're telling yourself, like, why am I limiting myself? You know, like, I could do more. I have capable. I have the I have the capabilities and the energy to accomplish more. So then you, I started asking myself, well, how do I get there? Like, what do I do? And I always knew, like, a lot of these type of... A lot of things in life you don't accomplish by yourself. You need a team. You need people. And this was one of the things that, like, clicked in my head. Whatever I wanted to do, I won't be able to do it by myself. So I need to leverage... HR, my manager, my network, my mentor. I need to leverage all these people, my family. So then I got that boost. Okay, you need to wake up and like say it little by little. Um, some people said, okay, you're crazy. <laughs> some people said, okay, great. Like keep pushing. You got this and whatnot. Um, my dad is like my number one pusher and like Aww, support. <laughs> that's so cute. That's very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, which is good. Um, but then again, like you start talking little by little and then the more I started doing it, the more confident I became and, and, and the more clear I became in my vision as well because your vision also changed as a function of time, and especially like phase in your life. So what you dream at eight years old may not be the same thing that you dream at 40, for example, right? So a lot, you allow yourself that space. Like Things do evolve, but I started becoming clearer in like what I want to do, what kind of lifestyle I want, what kind of, what's a must-have, what's a nice-to-have. Um, the more I started like 
vocalizing and be more confident in what I was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, we were mentioning like dreaming big. Um, but of course, dreaming big doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with practicality. Mm-hmm. And so how do you find the right balance between, you know, setting really high and ambitious goals while still remaining, you know, down to earth and being clear about what's achievable? So I think that's a fun, that's where you really need to know yourself. Um, if you are the type of person, and also yourself does involve over time. So again, whether it's your goal or your personality, you do want to allow that room for evolution and adjustment. But the more you know yourself, like what kind of person you are, are you very kumbaya and peace and love to everyone else? Then maybe, um, for example, like a profit maximizing job is not going to be for you because you won't find that inner peace within that. But if you, if in your 20s, you're very, um, like you're a shark. And it's okay. It's okay to be a shark today. It's okay to be a shark at 50 or it's okay to become a dolphin at 50. Whoever you are, like you need to know yourself to be able to match yourself to these goals. Because if there's no alignment at that point, you're, you're always going to battle like what you want and what you have today. And you don't want that because you, to me, I think everyone wants to be at least at peace with themselves when they lay at night or they lay their head mm-hmm. at, on the bed at night. So however you are, your goal needs to match that personality inside. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think that practicality comes in because it's more of a matter of calibrating your inner self to your goal, like whatever that goal is. Again, it could be travel all the country, be a profit maximizing individual, like all of these things. Become the CEO at twenty five or twenty eight. No, but yeah, true. It, but see, it's laugh. You laugh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <It> Oops. <laughs> but these are the things. Like, and yeah. I'm pretty sure you. I'm, I'm past twenty eight, so it's fine or twenty five. It's fine. But if that's your dream, like believe in it. You know, like you say, you want to be a CEO at twenty five or twenty eight. Just say yes. I'm going. You're in a top business school, you're, you have access, you have a strong net, um, alumni network, you have all these tools given to you, and work towards that. If you become a CEO at 40, that's not the end of the world, but at least like you set a goal to yourself and you did your best to get to that goal, even though it took more time. But if you want to be a CEO at 28, go See, for it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't laugh. Yeah. Exactly. exactly, go for it. Um, I would say on the topic of daring, not only we might doubt ourselves mm-hmm. there might be also a lot of noises a lot of skepticism from outside of the world from yes. other people from our colleagues from our friends or even our families how do you deal with that um, or what tips would you give people uh, when they're daring or dreaming big how should we keep the inner peace and stay confident at at this level but at the same time also positively taking in the voice voices and internalizing them into a fuel or a motivation. This is also very not, it's not easy at all. I currently live in a state of utopia and delusion. <laughs> it's not delusion, but I do think I create a bubble of utopia in my head sometimes, which helps me filter out some noises. Um, it's not, again, those are things that are not easy for everyone, but again, you really need to know what triggers you, what makes you happy, what makes you upset, what makes you sad and angry, so that you can build a mental filter to what you receive and what you don't receive. If people laughing doesn't bother you, then that's fine. If people laughing bothers you, then you need to filter who most likely will laugh at your idea versus who wouldn't, so you know who to talk to and who you don't you don't talk to. Um, 
it's a lot of trial and error before you get to that place. It's not given. But you need to you need to be vulnerable at that stage, especially in the early beginning. Mm-hmm. Like live in the moment, be vulnerable, see what happened. Um, you might question yourself a little bit, but the more you keep doing it and the more you'll be able to read people, the more you'll be able to know who to talk to, the more feedback. It, it all builds up, but you have to be raw and vulnerable at that stage at the very beginning and really see what happens. I love that you mentioned vulnerability because I think especially uh, in the world of work or you know whenever we embark on this professional journey, a lot of people feel like they have to put a mask on and to appear really strong like yes, sharks, you yes. know, <laughs> and bulldozers, they yeah. just go for it. Yes. Um, do you feel like this is something that could be impacting us negatively in a way? Or how, how would you see it? To me, I don't think it impacts you negatively. I do think it builds character and thick skin almost. Um, because to be honest, most, a lot of corporate setting will have that type of... Um, push and pull mm-hmm. um, dynamic. So you don't always need to be a shark um, in corporate to survive and perform well. Um, but some people have that personality within them. Within yeah. them and some job require that personality. So if it's a perfect match, then go for it. If it's not, if you're a dolphin and you want to work in a shark environment, that's probably that's not, not going to yeah. work. So I, I I know I keep saying that, but it really comes down to really knowing what makes you happy, what makes you sad, what triggers you, and all these elements, so you could prepare yourself well and like build your perfect world and your perfect cocoon around what sustains you and what fulfills you. Mm-hmm. So to go back to that, I don't think being being a shark, and maybe I'm thinking it in a negative way because. Being a shark to me is you're just very aggressive, very like a bulldozer, like you said. Um, there are points in your life that you'll need to be more stern. Mm-hmm. I like the word stern better. <laughs> you'll need to be more assertive. You'll need to be more stern. And that builds character as well. Like Even if you say outside of the corporate world, um, if you when you're creating your boundaries around your perfect cocoon, if someone tried to breach that boundary, you need to be stern. So you may not be a complete bulldozer to that person, but you need to say, no, this is my line, you're crossing it, and I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. You need to go back where you came from and leave me in my little world. Mm-hmm. But you need to be very stern and assertive in that point. So those elements, I think, build more character and more thick skin, and then you can adapt what you take and what you leave on the table in terms of being a bulldozer. Absolutely. And like, especially when you're talking about you know knowing ourselves better. You know, I feel like some people, especially in their 20s, they're not fully aware of their emotions or uh, they don't try to uh, introspect too much. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're probably not aware or they have never been truly pushed uh, towards understanding themselves better. Um, is there anything that people could do, questions that they could ask themselves, experiences that they could go through in order for them to gain better awareness? Yeah. Um, I think especially in your 20s, you, most people just live through things and they don't really question things. Um, and it's not... I was in my 20s too, so like I know what it's like. And it's not, I, I don't really think a lot of 20-year-olds like really think about it. So I could give you a laundry list. <laughs> I don't think they'll apply it. But I think the best thing is really to listen, maybe do like a, what is it, like a postmortem of your emotion. Like let's say if you ate like a cheeseburger and you were like so happy for the rest of the day, maybe you, food makes you happy. Like So you identify that. If you 
had a terrible breakup and you spent three months crying, then you could dissect like what about it made you very upset and unhappy in the relationship versus what made you very happy in the relationship. That way you figure out what are, um, in your next one, what are your red flags and what are your green flags. And then you build up on that because you have a lot of stimuli and a lot of um, experiences to be made in life. Um, so all of them are teaching you more things about you and about your environment as well. So you do one experience today, you learn from it. You do another one tomorrow, you learn from it. And that goes back again to being confident and vocalizing your dream. You try, like, you talk to me today, and I give you positive feedback. You're like, okay, that was easy, that was cool. Now you talk to, like, your professor, they give you positive feedback. You're like, okay, that was cool. You talk to the dean, the dean tells you, okay, maybe you relax. Okay, I'm not talking to him anymore. <laughs> but then it's one experience after the other that you pile on that gives you that boost of confidence to keep going. I'm sure you also heard of this term imposter syndrome, yeah. where people also doubt themselves whether they really deserve the success they're having. Mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced something like this, or have you seen someone experiencing something like this? And how would you say how to deal with this kind of emotions or struggles that they have when they actually deserve this success, but they don't feel like they should? So yes, I have experienced that. Um, but now, like I said, I live in delusion. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, so, again, to me, what one thing that really helped me get out of that imposter syndrome is, well, two things. One is realizing that if my CV was received and I was called in for an interview, that, meant, that means that, one, I met the base qualification mm -hmm. and a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And if I get the job after the interview, how many interviews that there were, that means that I was eloquent enough to express my qualification on paper and physically and therefore I deserve I deserve to be there so once I realized that and again it took some years to get to that space as well um, but once I realized that it made me more confident at any position or any role that I've ever um, gotten whether it's a promotion a new job a new company um, and then the second thing too is sort of benchmarking yourself it may not be the right thing um, terminology but once you, you're able to look at your peers within your same group at the same level as you, and you kind of see their education, their qualification versus yours, they're similar. So there's no way that the entire department is having imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. right? So it helps when you have a department that have similar age, similar background and whatnot. If you're in a department, let's say if you're the manager, and then one um, of the person reporting to you is 30 years older than you, I think that's where it gets trickier. I haven't had that experience yet, so I cannot comment on that. But I think, again, the first thing still remains true. You were given that role because you have the qualification on paper and you have the qualification physically. You're eloquent enough to express them. You have a proven record. So those things give you, should give you the confidence to really say, okay, like I was chosen for this role because I can do it and I will do it. Mm -hmm. And again, nothing happens by yourself. You have a team, you have a community, you leverage their support and their expertise. So to stay Absolutely. still humble at the same time. Correct. Right? Okay. Yes. Um, what I really liked is um, within all of your advice, there's something that to me really strikes also proactivity. Mm -hmm. How you need also to be proactive, take things into your own hands and, you know, go and look out for the right people yes. uh, and also seize the right opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, what would be a good tip to remain proactive? Because of course, especially in your 20s, but even afterwards, uh, there are tons of opportunities everywhere. Mm -hmm. How can you remain open to those opportunities um, 
and yeah, how to be proactive in general. In terms so, of career growth, I say. Okay. So I was going to yeah. say, do you want professional and personal? <laughs> <laughs> so on a career growth, what I like to do, I always stay close to the market. So within the role that I have, um, even though I'm very fulfilled in my role, that my last um, employer, I stayed with them for four years. But every six months, every 12 months, I always check the market just to see what kind of positions are there, what kind of benchmark on the salary that is on the market, just to keep an eye on what's happening on the market and I'm not so disconnected mm-hmm. from everything else. And then the more you see positions that are published that are similar to your role, the more you're also seeing what kind of qualification they're asking, what kind of skill set they're asking. Therefore, if you see a skill set, let's say, last year that you don't have, but they're asking it for the same role that you have, that's your learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. That Because then you don't want to be so dated that you're easily replaced because someone else with the same role can have more skill set than you. So finding those gaps and keep learning, keep doing more, keep find, keep connecting with others and networking mm-hmm. as well. Networking is really important because you're whether you're talking to legal at your company or you're talking to someone within the same role at another company you're able to exchange what are the things that what are the pain points that they have in their own role and also what are the skill set that they want to see from each other and those are the moments of proactivity that you can find what are your best tips when it comes to networking because of course we're meeting a lot of you know very interesting Uh, people but once you've met them and you had a discussion how do you keep you know contact with them so at this point of my life is a very interesting point because I have network in the states which is different from networking Mm -hmm. in France but also I'm networking in France as an MBA student (laughs) (laughs) which is even um, different so I will give you my perspective as an MBA student that is networking okay so for me I think My best approach to networking is going to the alumni events, um, going to whether it's like other schools events and meeting either my peers or potential um, employers or potential people that I would work in in the future. And most of the conversations that have similar interests as me. And most of the conversation, I usually introduce myself, what I like, what I, not what I don't like, but usually what I like, what I've done. And then if it's, for example, if I want to do um, private equity or consulting, I wouldn't directly ask them for a job or an internship, mm-hmm. but I would ask them, you know, how was your experience? How is, how's your career at your company that you have, you're currently in? What do you like, what you don't like? Can you help me maybe with a case or not? Can we meet for coffee? And then you build on little by little. Um, I think I think T1, like the first phase is really the easiest for most people, but then to build on in that, usually what you can do or what I've done If I see, I'll take the example of consulting, if I see a McKinsey report for organizational change um, or organizational um, transformation within a company, and the person that I talked to was telling me something related to that, I might send that link to them and be like, hey, this is what I saw today. I think it's really interesting. Do you want to grab a coffee and we can discuss really quick or meet real quick to discuss this? Um Still telling them things that are happening on campus related to it, um, especially if they're HEC alum, mm-hmm. because one, you're building on nostalgia. Mm, true. <laughs> they were at HEC, they're going to tell themselves, oh, I miss those days, um, those were the better days. Mm-hmm. So you build on nostalgia, you build, you're proactive because you're showing interest into this industry without directly begging for, mm-hmm. for a job. And it, 
to me, when I do it, it's not necessarily because I want them to tell me, here's a job given to you directly. But a lot of time, when you meet alum or your person, the person that you meet directly through the network, the best thing that they can do is connect you to the other, another person because now they know you. Mm-hmm. Now they've built a, a bank of your personality, of your vocabulary, of your behavior. So now they can feel more confident introducing you to someone else within their network. To ask them at first interaction, can you introduce me to a partner or something like that, they don't know you. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to build that rapport. Even if you don't get a job or you don't get anything directly from it, you might get something indirectly. Mm-hmm. Which is still valuable both ways, whether it's directly or indirectly. So we had we talked about uh, confidence, we talked about dreaming big, but there's also one thing that might come hand in hand, which is failure, <laughs> potentially, if ever we face failure. What are, what are the mindsets that you would prepare yourself with to face failure in the future, or potentially if ever you encounter failure in whatever plan you have already in your mind? How do you overcome this when it really strikes you? And how do you prepare yourself to move on and to set another new goal for yourself? So I like the word that you said, proactivity, because to me, most of my plans, I usually have, I attack them proactively. So whether it's applying for an MBA, applying for a job, coming here and all these things, I have a plan A, a plan B, and then up to maybe a plan D. <laughs> I don't go all the way to the alphabet. But... I usually set all my um, all my plans of attack, all my goals as of in a way that if it happens, great. If it does not happen, this is what I do. Worst case scenario, this is plan C. So that way, it gives me some buffer. So let's say applying to HCC. HCC um, is the only school that I apply to. Okay. Um, which most MBA student will told me that I was insane and crazy. <laughs> But my plan A was applying to HEC. But if I got in, great. And I knew, I knew then I have to develop new plans for after I get in, what do I need to do? But then if I didn't get in, I was in a great job in a great location with a great, my roadmap to VP. So that buffer or that fall um, plan B was equally great. <laughs> so that way it works out. Um, and even within my plan B, I had contingency plan. If this works out, this doesn't work out. So I think it does help to have contingency plan when you set your goal. It may not always work because failure will attack you at some point. We'll find you, they'll find a loophole. Um, but I think preparing yourself, like worst, what is the worst case scenario that could happen in this given plan, in this given goal? What is the worst thing that could happen? And if that, that does happen, can you design a, a contingency plan to it? If you cannot, then you take a risk. Then you, I still say take a risk and do it because then if you do fail at it, your survival instinct and your pride will come in to help you find something on the spot. But um, if you don't take any risk, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you keep living in a state of what if. So failure is not something I would say to be afraid of. I mean, don't embrace it blindly. You do want to plan, have contingency plans for all your goals. But if it does come, I think the best thing is just to like tell yourself, I'll take it. And then in the moment, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And again, community. Mm-hmm. You can always rely on someone mm-hmm. to help. Absolutely. 
Um, and then perhaps, you know, to end this podcast, because we're actually nearly at the end, <laughs> yeah. uh, what would you wish to accomplish in the future? What type of impact would you ha- like to have, you know, after the MBA, during the MBA, like in the next couple of years? Um, so personally, I want to travel to as many countries as possible. <laughs> travel sounds like a very good plan. Yeah. Correct. Um, I think also personally, not so much professionally. I do like that I do like to help people and I do like to have impact indirectly or directly on people. So and I used to I tell myself that I'm a strong number two. I'm not the prima donna and uh, <laughs> and the opera, but I am the strong behind the scene COO operating the behind the scene and making sure everything goes right. So I think with that mindset, I the impact that I would want to have in the future is, is to be able to help as many people as possible, whether it's to talks like this, whether it's to um, industry discussion, uh, someone that wants to build a company in personal care, and they need industry insight and whatnot to be able to help them in that sense. Those are the type of impact that brings me joy and that I want to leave it behind. Uh, before we really end this whole episode, <laughs> I do have one last question that I would love to ask you. Okay. If you could do one thing differently mm-hmm. in your 20s, what would you do? Ah, okay. <laughs> That's a great question. Two things. One, I think I would have applied to the MBA earlier. Oh. <laughs> um, and then two, I would have liked to be able to vocalize my goals earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because not to say like age is a, a, a factor here, but I think it would have given me more flexibility to be able to make mistake if I were able to make mistake and learn from them quicker mm-hmm. um, compared to like later on. I still have room, that's fine, but I wish I had applied an MBA earlier or um, vocalized my goals and have my roadmap to VP earlier in my career as well. Interesting. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much for an interesting conversation. <laughs> thanks for having me. Very insightful. Uh, but thank you again very much, Jennifer, for joining us. No problem. I think our listeners will learn a lot Definitely. from this episode. And then uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Ciao. Bye. We hope you liked this episode. Don't forget to follow and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, we always love to hear from you, so don't hesitate to DM us on our Instagram, The20s Project.